1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we want to start in verse 17. In just a moment, we'll read the text. We've been, over the last several services, discussing the importance of walking with God, having fellowship with the Father. And certainly, every one of us needs to experience that walk with God, that fellowship with the Father. But we realize that all too often, we, we sense that it is elusive, that it seems as if we're not experiencing the walk with God that we desire. And that's really been the driving motivation behind the preaching this week, and, and my, the burden on my heart is to see more of our church family walking with the Lord and knowing that they're walking with the Lord, walking in the power of the Spirit and, and fellowshipping with the Lord. And I trust that that will be the result of this week's meeting as we apply some of these things. Now, of course, we've been talking about the fact that God reveals himself. He, he has gone to great trouble to express himself to us, to tell us who he is, to tell us what he's like and what his values are, to communicate to us not just in the natural world around us where he's placed all kinds of fingerprints and markers of who he is, but also in the Word of God. He specifically has revealed himself, and in the Scriptures, God reveals himself as a God who desires to have a relationship with man. In fact, he created us for the purpose of having a relationship with him, and through that relationship with him, that he might get glory from our lives. We talked about the fact that when God reveals himself... He expects a response. He wants us to respond to Him. And we talked on Sunday night about the fact that God desires for us, uh, excuse me, Monday night, that God desires for us to respond with repentance. And when we see the failings in our life, when we see that we have come short of the standard of of the image of Christ, as we become aware of our sin, which of course the closer we get to the Lord, the more aware we'll become of our sin, we need to respond with repentance and with the anticipation, with the hope that God is committed to the process of changing us into the image of Christ. Then we spoke about the importance of responding with obedience to the will of God. And we talked last night about how how it is that God's will is often pertaining to the ordinary parts of our life. We're sometimes thinking about the really big things, and God wants us to be faithful in the ordinary things, in the normal parts of life. And if we're faithful in those areas and we fulfill the responsibilities and the roles that God gives to us, then He blesses us and He orders our steps and He involves us in His plan, what He's up to in this world. Now, tonight we want to talk about the response that God desires from us in regards to prayer. And certainly, having a relationship with God has to do with our prayer life. And tonight, we, we just have you know a, a few minutes here to deal with this subject of the response of prayer. And I think you understand that the subject of prayer in the Bible, that's a big, big topic. We could literally spend a week of meetings or more just talking about prayer and all the different facets and aspects of prayer. So tonight, my, my intention is not to give a comprehensive treatment to all the different aspects of prayer, 
Uh, it's not necessarily even to talk about things like corporate prayer when we pray together as a church family, some of those kinds of things. It's not necessarily to talk about all the different parts of prayer that are, are found in the scriptures. But tonight my focus is more to deal with this one thought about the fact that prayer is a continuing conversation with God. Because we're talking about walking with God, and so certainly prayer has to do with those seasons when we go to our prayer closet and we're on our knees before the Lord and we're praying about things that are on our heart, and we'll touch on some of that tonight. But more of what we're going to deal with tonight has to do with the ongoing conversation with God or what is described here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, where the scripture states very simply, pray without ceasing. Now, at first glance, it seems like that would be impossible. How could we do anything else in our life if all we're doing is praying? Well, if we think of prayer as being on our knees in a private place where no one else is around and that's the only thing that could fit the definition of prayer, then certainly it would seem to be quite impossible for us to pray without ceasing. But I believe that prayer has more to do, with it, or it applies to more than just those secret sessions of prayer in our prayer closet when we're on our face before God. Those are important. But what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is talking about is what we want to speak about tonight and that is the fact that our prayer life should be something that carries forward into all the moments of our day. In other words, walking with God means that I'm, I am bringing God into the circumstances of my life. And what we're going to talk about tonight, I'm talking with God about the things that are going on in my life. As I'm going about my business, as I'm doing what we call the ordinary things of life which seem mundane, seem to not be all that important, I'm carrying on a conversation with God and I'm looking for God's hand and where God is working in those moments in my life. Amen. Now tonight, as we think about responding with prayer, I, I first want to talk a little bit about the value of prayer in regards to uh, this, this thought of walking with God and, and being connected to him, talking with him, carrying on a conversation with him that, that goes on through my day. Now, as we think about this, it's important for us to understand that when we consider prayer, or when we think about prayer as a conversation between me and God, it's important to never forget this. God is the one who started the conversation. God is the initiator of the relationship. God is the one who spoke first, or if you want to think about it this way, he's the one who came seeking for me before I was ever seeking for him. He's the one who communicated to me before I ever communicated to him. And so we need to understand that God is the initiator and man is the responder. So what is the value of prayer to us as believers. Well, you could turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a few verses this evening. Matthew chapter 6 is, of course, an extended section in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus deals with the subject of prayer as he's teaching his disciples. And I want to read 
uh, several verses here which are pertinent to our subject. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5, Jesus teaching about prayer says this, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, obviously, as Jesus is teaching here on prayer... He's instructing his disciples in this sense that there is prayer that has no value. Or we, we would call it, it's not actually prayer, it's a form of prayer. Or it's a, it's, a, it's a show of prayer. And Jesus says, that doesn't have any value. I want you to learn to pray in such a way that your prayer will be powerful. That your prayer will be heard of God. And the design, the thing that he's really emphasizing here is that this prayer should be in secret, that it should be a private prayer. Uh, he's not forbidding that we would ever pray in public, and he's not suggesting that the only place that we can ever pray is in a closet, but he is emphasizing this, that prayer is something that must come genuinely from the heart. It must not be something that is just put on the outside for show or for men to admire, but it is really when we are talking to God from the heart. And, and this brings me to some thoughts about the value of prayer. First of all, prayer is valuable because prayer is when I ask God for His power on my life. It's when I come to God knowing that I need His power. Remember we saw... Uh, last night, I think it was, in John chapter 15, that, that verse, it's, I think verse 5, where Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. There is nothing that we can do in our Christian life apart from the power of God. And as we recognize that, and we recognize that God is wanting us to obey Him, and we're seeking to, to respond in obedience, now my, my response is going to be, Father, I need your power. I need your grace. I need your help. So prayer is when I realize that God wants to plug me into his plan and I recognize that I don't have that ability. So I need to ask God for his power upon my life. This is a humbling recognition, but it is an important recognition. And when we find ourselves not praying, 
It is because we have assumed that we do not need the power of God. You see, if we know that we need the power of God, then we're going to come and ask for it. Because there's no other way to get the power of God on our life than to come and to ask. And tonight, let us recognize with honesty and with humility that we desperately need the power of God. If we're going to walk with God and if we're going to be involved in His plan in this world, then we must have His power upon us. Not only does prayer ask for the power of God on my life, but second of all, prayer involves me in the work of God. Now, this is important because sometimes we think of prayer as what leads up to the work. But prayer is actually characterized in the scriptures as spiritual work or spiritual warfare. It's not just preparation for the work. It is a part of the work. And when I get involved in prayer, I'm being involved in God's work in the world around me. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This is one example. There's actually many places in the epistles where the Apostle Paul, for instance, asked for the prayers of other believers, and he insinuates in asking that their prayers would be a part of the work that he was involved in. So in other words, they would be laboring together with him in that work, even though they were not present, by praying for him. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, you may recognize as the great passage that deals with the the armor of the believer and Christian warfare. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the scripture says this, "...praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." And he goes on in verse 19, asking them to specifically pray for him that he would have utterance to preach the gospel. But what I want you to notice is that verse 18 is a continuation of the passage that deals with Christian warfare and the Christian armor. It's not something that's tacked on at the end as an afterthought. It's actually a part of the warfare that the believer is involved in. When you are praying, you are involved in the work of God. For instance... When you are praying specifically and scripturally and in the power of God, you're praying for requests that missionaries have asked us to remember and they're on the field laboring, you are actually working together with them in the work of the Lord and those prayers are significant and important. In fact, you've probably heard it said before and it is true, those missionaries really rely on our prayers. They, they need us to pray for them. So prayer involves me in the work of God. Sometimes I fear that we, that we approach prayer and we view prayer as something that is less important or as if, okay, let's get done praying and let's hurry and get to the work. Let's get busy with the really important stuff. And, and, and usually, you know, we, we give a little bit of an honorary prayer before the real work begins, you know, to show that we're depending on the Lord. But we're, we're not necessarily regarding prayer as being the important part of the work, and yet it is. So the value of prayer is that when I'm involved in prayer, especially intercessory prayer, 
I am involved in the work of God. Third of all, prayer is valuable because prayer is offered in dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And I know we've already mentioned that we need the power of God on our life. But Romans 8.26 actually teaches us, it informs us, that without the Spirit of God, we actually can't pray. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, excuse me, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And this, the idea of this is there are times in our prayers where, and, and probably if we're praying seriously, they're, they're very frequent, that we don't even exactly know how to pray, that we're not positive exactly what God wants to do in that situation. And we lack for words and we're, we're searching for how to express a burden that is upon our heart. And what we find is that the Holy Spirit of God helps us in those seasons. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of our prayer life. He wants to empower us and guide our prayers. And you say, how does the Holy Spirit guide our prayers and empower our prayers? Well, uh, sometimes he does that through the scriptures, because of course, the, the, the scripture is the sword of the spirit. And he's going to remind us of what the word of God says, and that will help us to pray scripturally. And sometimes, according to this verse, he's going to take the desire of our heart, which we find difficult to express, and he's going to translate that directly to the father so that he is helping us in our prayers in this way. And I don't fully understand all that is being indicated here. I just know that the Spirit helps us in our prayers. When we have these heavy burdens that we're bearing, we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing about prayer that we want to consider that makes it valuable, and there's, of course, many other things that makes prayer valuable, but I believe that prayer reveals my heart to God for refinement. Have you ever experienced what it is when you are praying and you're, you, you are struggling with expressing to God exactly what He wants in that situation? Maybe it's a trial that you're facing. Maybe it's a difficulty that you're going through. And I'll give you an example of this in just a moment. But it's something that you're struggling with. And, and then in your prayer, as you're talking to God about that situation... It's as if God begins to refine your desires. He begins to shape them. And you come away from that prayer session, or maybe multiple prayer sessions, praying about that with a much clearer picture of what God wants in that situation. Maybe you came into that wanting something, and God changed your desire. He, He changed your focus, and He pointed you towards something else. The the Apostle Paul speaks about something like this in the book of 2 Corinthians, doesn't he? When he speaks about the thorn in the flesh that he had, and he came to God and he asked him three times to remove that thorn in the flesh. And then the answer of God came very clearly back to him that 
God was not going to remove that thorn in the flesh, but instead God was going to provide grace for him in the midst of that trial, whatever it was. And in that season of prayer, Paul's heart was refined in regards to this trial that he was bearing, this thorn in the flesh. So prayer can become a time, especially as I'm, uh, you know, this is really often true when I'm bearing with a trial or a burden, something that I want God to fix. I want him to solve this problem. I'm asking him to, to take this away or to give an answer. And in the midst of that, sometimes God will refine my heart. He'll, he will take my heart's desires and he'll shape them and he'll bring my desires into line with his desires. Amen. And this is a good thing for us. This is, uh, this is something that we need to seek for in our prayer life because we ought to be praying. And we just read it in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to turn back there since we just read it. But Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course that model prayer that Jesus offered to his disciples is not intended just to be recited and, and word for word spoken back to God. But the idea is that it is an outline of prayer which teaches us about important components of prayer. One of the most important components of prayer is the element of surrender in our prayers. It's as we come to him and we say, God, I I sincerely, genuinely want your will to be done here on this earth, in my life, in the life of my loved one. I want your will to be done here on earth the same way that your will is being done in heaven. And so prayer reveals my heart to God many times. And I encourage you in your prayer to be very honest with God. It doesn't do any good to hide what you're really thinking and feeling from God. He already knows anyway. Now, I'm not encouraging you to be blasphemous or something like that. Sometimes when people talk about this, they border on blasphemy. I think we ought to be respectful of God and we ought to address God as Jehovah. We ought to, we ought to regard him as who he is. But we also can be honest with God about the things that we're grappling with that we're struggling with. If you want to see some examples of this, just open your Bible to the book of Psalms and see how the, the authors there, the, the psalmist, would just open up about the things that they're struggling with. This is what's on my heart. This is what I'm thinking. I'm really grappling with this. I don't understand exactly what you're doing, God. I don't, I don't understand why you don't do this. Why is it that you're handling it this way? And so we can come to God and we can be honest to him in this way and sometimes when you're, when you're talking to God in this way, you'll surprise yourself with some of the things that you say. And you'll think, oh, wait a second. I know that's what I'm thinking, and I just said it to God, but that doesn't sit right. That doesn't seem very scriptural. You'll probably find yourself backing up in prayer sometimes and saying, now, Father, that didn't sound too good. That didn't seem, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think your word actually addresses this. And you could talk to God just like that. You can, you can be very open with him. So prayer really reveals your heart to God. And, and you're being honest with yourself and being honest with God and allowing God to refine your desires. 
Isn't it interesting that even Jesus, who of course is perfect, he's God the Son, he has no sin at all, and yet when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Modeling for us that in prayer, we can find a place of surrender. We can find a place of victorious surrender where we yield ourselves to what God is wanting to do in and through us. These are some of the valuable aspects of prayer as we commune with God, as we talk with Him throughout our day. And we'll talk about this practically in just a minute, what this means. I do want to just talk about four misconceptions about prayer. Again, I don't have these on the slide for you, but you can, you can jot these down if you want to. Things to watch out for in regards to prayer. One of these is the idea that magical naming is praying. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I saw some of you shake your heads. Okay, this is what I mean. Okay, Lord, I need you to help. Salvatore, Carlos, Rosa, Heather. We pray for the Williams, the Wilhites, the Rallies, the Norbergs, the Mallards, the Merediths. We're so glad that you're a good God and you'll help them. Ralph Seltzer, Cheryl Clark, Harlem Outreach. Help that Allentown Outreach and those kids in the Bible Club. Help our all-church visitation, Facebook ads, TV programs, Sunday services. Amen. Praise the Lord. I pray. And you say, what is that? Well, it's the idea that as long as I said the name to God, then God knows, and that's the same as praying. Brethren, that's not praying. Praying is taking those things. You would be much better off not praying for every one of those requests, but picking some of the ones that God draws your attention to and praying scripturally for them. Praying something specific for them. What are you praying for? This idea of, well, I named it before God's throne. I I said your name before God's throne. Well, that's not much help. That's not praying. Magical naming is not praying. Just saying, God bless all the missionaries is not praying for the missionaries. Again, you'd be better off to choose a couple of the missionaries specifically and pray for them scripturally and, and specifically and ask God for some things than you would just these blanket prayers that sound a lot like superstition. So magical naming is not praying. Really, magical naming is very much like what Jesus warned about in Matthew chapter 6. It's vain repetitions. And also what falls under vain repetitions is a lot of the phrases that we say when we're praying that we don't really think about and we don't really understand what we're asking, and, and we're not being thoughtful. It's just... It, all right, I'm, I'm going to say it, and I hope it won't be offensive, but it's like filler for our prayer. We're filling in space because we're afraid to be quiet, especially when we're praying publicly. We don't want to be quiet lest somebody thinks that we can't figure out what to say, so we throw in all of these phrases that we've heard other people say that we're not really sure what it means. And so these sorts of things are not really praying. It's vain repetition. We need to be very careful about how we pray. We need to make sure that we're talking genuinely to God. So be careful about that idea, just naming something as praying. Now, it's good to pray for people by name, but then pray for them with the scripture too. Pray for them specifically. Pray about things that you know are are a burden upon their heart. 
I think you probably know, and if you don't, you might as well know it now. Unspoken requests are one of my, I guess, pet peeves. I don't know how to pray for an unspoken request. Lord, help them to be able to speak about it. Lord, help them to know what it is that they're praying for. You you know what I'm saying? Now, I know that the Holy Spirit can take the burden of your heart and can translate that to the Lord. And, And I could, if I know that you're bearing a heavy burden that you're not comfortable sharing with me, I could pray, Lord, would you help them with that burden Would you bear that burden? Would you refine their heart and show them what your will is? I could pray about some of those things, but I I don't know what to do with unspoken requests. It's as if sometimes I think that we feel like if you would just mention my name to the Lord and tell him that I have an unspoken request, that would be the same as you praying for me. So again, in my opinion, you would be better off talking to two or three people that you trust to keep that unspoken request quiet and tell them what you need prayer about and share with them what's going on in your life so that they can pray intelligently and scripturally and with the Spirit in regards to that matter. All right? If you decide to do differently with that, that's your business, but uh, that's what I think about that. Magical naming is not praying. Second, prayer... Here's another misconception. People think... Prayer is mostly about getting what I want. And, and it's true that God tells us to come and to ask. In fact, he tells us that we have not because we ask not. But the emphasis of prayer is not so much on me getting what I want. And in the book of James, this is addressed in chapter 4, verse 3 where God warns us, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. So it is possible for us to pray for things in an unspiritual and unscriptural manner. We can be praying about something that is not God's will at all. And all we want is just to have our lusts fulfilled. We just want to be happy. We just want to get the thing that we want. And so prayer is not only about me getting what I want. Third of all, another misconception about prayer, many people think this, well, prayer, in order to be prayer, needs to be fancy or formal. We need to use these and thous, and we need to use flowery language. We need to, we need to pray in a way that we've, we've heard people pray. You know, we hear these phrases and how people, and I want to, and sometimes people even change their voice. Now, Lord, I want you to listen to my prayer. And, and it's like when I'm talking to God, I have to assume an, a different tone of voice and sound very authoritative. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Talk to God like you talk to everyone else. Have a conversation with him. Address him as if he is a person. Now, I, I do realize he's God. He ought to be addressed respectfully. There's, we, we should use his titles and we should regard him. All of those things are true. But this doesn't mean that prayer has to be fancy or formal. The reason that we want prayer to be formal or fancy is generally because we're afraid somebody's listening. And we are afraid of what people will think if we don't pray in a way that is formal or fancy. They'll think, well, you're not a good enough Christian and you don't know what to pray. Prayer is just talking to God and conversing with Him. And so this is a misconception about prayer. Fourth misconception about prayer 
is the idea, and I think this is more common than we care to admit, that I need to earn God's favor with my good works before I can pray. And so I, you know, I have something that I really need to pray about. So, you know, this week I'm going on visitation. I'm going to be in every service. In fact, I'm going to be 10 minutes early. I'm going to make sure that I pay attention in the services and that I take notes because I've got a really important prayer request that I'm bringing to God at the end of the week. And I want to make sure that he sees how serious I am so he will hear my prayer. That is the wrong perspective of prayer. You're never accepted because of your own righteousness at the throne of grace. You're accepted there on the basis of Christ's righteousness, on what Christ has completed for you. Now, can sin block the way between you and God? Certainly. The the reason that sin blocks the way between you and God is because you were in fellowship with Him and you turned your back on Him and started going after sin. What do you need to do? You need to repent of that sin and turn back to God and fellowship with Him. You don't need to put together a string of good works, good, you know, a faithful attendance and Sunday school stickers for 13 weeks before you can come and ask God for something, as if God is keeping track and saying, okay, now I can see, oh, you tithed this week. That's bonus. I'm going to give you an extra answer to prayer. That's not how God works. God is gracious and merciful. He invites us to His throne of grace on the basis of what Christ has accomplished for us. And not only does he invite us, he tells us we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So tonight, that's a misconception about prayer. Now let's talk real quickly about some practical pointers for developing a vibrant prayer life that will help you. I I think these things will help you. So just real quickly, first of all, I suggest that you pray while you read the scripture, talking to God about what you're reading. So while you're reading the scriptures and you're trying to understand what the scriptures mean, it's perfectly acceptable, normal. In fact, it's recommended that you would be having a conversation with the Lord about what you're reading. He's speaking to you or wanting to speak to you with what is written You have the opportunity to talk to him about what you're reading and to converse with him, uh, even asking him, now, Lord, what does this mean? Help me to understand. Why did you use this word? Uh, Help me to understand this concept. I'm trying to grapple with this. Can you remind me of some other things that would have to do with this and help me to discover the, the truth of this passage? You can certainly talk to God in that way. You can also, as, you're, as you are talking to God while you're reading the scriptures, you can pray about what you are learning about Him. And one of the things that you're going to find as you read the scriptures is that He is going to come alive to you. You're going to realize who He is, what His attributes are, are uh, what, is, what His priorities are, what is on His heart, what's important to Him. And you can talk to God about all these things. You can converse with him about the things that you are learning about him. And this would be worship. This is going to lead us to the place where we are in admiration of him. And we can talk to him about what we are admiring and what we're grateful for. The book of Psalms is actually a great resource for this type of thinking or this kind of talking to God. I can go to the book of Psalms and we try to model this actually when, we pray, when I pray on Sunday mornings here in front of the congregation, 
I try to model for you how powerful the book of Psalms is as a source for worship. And what's interesting about the book of Psalms is there's all these different kinds of psalms. Some of them are over-the-top worship psalms. Praise the Lord, be grateful to Him and all of these things that He's done. And some of them are psalms of lament and grief and sorrow. And some of them are psalms about the struggle within a trial and the resolution that comes when the psalmist realizes who God is and what's God, what God's going to do. And all of those psalms are appropriate for our prayer life and they teach us things about God and they bring us to worship. In fact, to have a well-rounded view of God, we need all of the psalms. We need every single one, even the ones that are a little harder to understand. And we say, now, I don't know how this fits. I, I don't... I don't understand what this is saying about God. So you can talk to God about those things. Pray about what you're learning uh, in the scriptures and what you're learning about him. When we learn to pray with the scriptures, we are learning to pray according to God's will. We are learning to pray according to the priorities and the heart of God. And this will help us in learning how to be specific in intercession, and specific in our supplications. Rather than just praying generic prayers, then, uh, you know, bless this person, bless that person, we'll be able to pray specifically in a way that we know is in accordance with God's will because of what we've seen in the Scriptures. And this is going to help our prayers be more powerful, more specific, and definitely more in alignment with the will of God. The third thing that will help us is if we learn to pray about what we see him doing. Now, this is as you're going through your day and you're observing what God is up to and how God is working. I mean, today, I got a phone call from someone, a a message from someone left on my voicemail. I haven't had a chance to call them back. Uh, Someone in another state who listened to one of the messages from this series this week and called my office and wanted to share with me some things that God had done in his life. And then he shared that with some other folks and how God had worked in their lives through that message. And, you know, as I was listening to that, I was, I was talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in this person's life. Now, I have no idea who they are. I sort of know where they're at, but other than I know nothing about them. I just know that somehow God directed them to that message through a search engine or something like that, and then God was doing a work in their life, and that's God's work, but he allowed me to be just a little part of it, and so that gives me the opportunity to marvel at what God is doing and say, thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of that. That's a blessing to me to have a small part in what you're doing in someone else's life. You start paying attention to what's going on around you, the people that you're talking to, that you're interacting with, and you can have an opportunity. Now, if you pray out loud in front of them, it might cause a little bit of of weirdness for them, awkwardness for them. But, you know, silently in your heart, you can be talking to the Lord all the time, and you can be just 
uh, marveling at the fact, Lord, look at how you're, you're working in this person's life. I don't think they understand what you're doing, but I can see your hands all over this. Lord, would you continue working in my co-worker's life and drawing them to Christ? Would you give me boldness to speak to them? Would you give me an opportunity to, to point them to the hope that is found in the gospel? Would you open this door more? You can be praying just like that. Pray about what you see him doing. Uh, this is something that, that we ought to do more. Fourth of all, pray about what you want him to do. And this is where our requests come in. Now, of course, we saw in Matthew 6, and I want you to turn to Matthew 7, but we saw in Matthew 6 that we can ask God, give us this day our daily bread, which means that God wants us to pray about physical needs. It's not wrong to pray about physical needs. However, you will find that praying about physical needs is not the dominant theme in prayer in the scriptures. There, is, there are things that are much more important than physical needs. But of course we can come and God expects us to depend upon him and he wants us to bring our petitions to him. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this in verse number 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So obviously Jesus is teaching that God wants us to ask. He has the resources. He has the ability. He wants to work on our behalf. He wants us to ask. And we're reminded in another place, ye have not, because ye ask not. So think about what you want God to do and pray about that. Things like, wouldn't you like to be able to share the gospel with someone in the next couple of days? Amen. Now, that seems like a good scriptural prayer request, that you could come to the Lord and say, Lord, I really, really would like to have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and I would... It would be wonderful if you would open a door of opportunity for me. If you would just bring me across the path of someone that would be interested enough to listen, I would love to share the gospel with someone. Would you, would you answer that prayer for me? Or maybe there's a loved one that you have or a friend or someone that needs to be saved. And that we know this is according to God's will. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so you can pray and say, God... Would you, would you allow me or someone else to share the gospel with them? Would you work in their life? Would you convict them? Would you bring an awareness of their sin and help them to realize? I mean, these are the things that we want God to do, and we can pray about it. We can pray about people's physical needs. The book of James talks about the fact that when people are sick, we can pray for them. And obviously, sometimes sickness is something that God allows in His will for a purpose and a plan... But sometimes sickness is there so that we can pray about it and God can get the glory for delivering that person, for, for setting them free from that sickness. And certainly we can pray for others. We can pray for people's financial needs, all these sorts of things. Intercession is an important aspect of prayer. This is when we pray for the needs of other people. We can pray for their needs, but also we can talk to God about our own needs and this is what I want you to remember. He cares. 
He cares. In fact, He tells us that we can cast all our cares upon Him because He careth for you. And that's a wonderful consolation that prayer can be about something that maybe, maybe you think is just too trivial to bring to God. It, it probably will seem small. I lost my keys and I can't find them. Why would I ask God about that? I mean, he doesn't care if I have my keys. Well, you never know. He might care if you have your keys. You could talk to God about that. You could ask him to help you. I don't know how many times I've been working on my car and got myself into a situation. And then it dawned on me, hey, dummy, you got right down into this project and didn't talk to the Lord about it. Maybe you ought to talk to the Lord about this. Okay. All right, Lord. And maybe this doesn't seem like much to you. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with this this thing. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. Would you help me? Would you give me patience? Would you help me not to be upset? Would Would you guide my thinking? Would you help me to find the resources or the person that could help me with this? And I know it doesn't sound like... Why would God care about that? But I can't tell you how many times God has answered those kind of prayers for me. And it's a consolation to know that God cares about things that to Him... I mean, if we were grading them on a scale, they would seem to be trivial. But see, things that are important to us, He cares about. And so we can come to Him with those things. Fifth of all, pray frequently. Making... God a part of your daily life. I don't know if I can emphasize this enough. We started with 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. I'm coming back to this here at the end of the lesson tonight to emphasize this point. God wants to be a part of your life. He wants you to bring Him into the affairs of your day and of your life. Some of you ladies... I mean, there's, you're at home with your kids and there's perplexing moments. Talk to the Lord about those things. There, you're at your job and there's things that are weighing on you, pressures and stress. Talk to the Lord about those things. Uh, there, there's opportunities for you to share the gospel. Talk to the Lord about those things. Even, and when this becomes a habit for you, it's amazing how often you will run across people who have needs in their life And you'll be in a conversation with someone and they'll open up and begin talking to you about, oh, my my brother has cancer and we just found out about it. And it's really, you know, it's it's terrible and we don't know what we're going to do. It is such a privilege and an honor when you know that you can talk to God about those kind of things to say to someone like that, hey, I'm going to pray for your brother. How about if we pray for him right now, would you, would you like to do that? Would that be okay? And they'll usually go like, uh, sh- sure, okay. Because they've probably never had anybody offer that before. They've had lots of people say, I'll pray for your brother, but they probably never had anybody actually pray for him right in front of them. And, and right in that moment, you can pray out loud and address the God of heaven and show those people that you have a living relationship with God. And you can pray for that, that man scripturally. You, maybe not going to pray that God would heal him or that God would set him free from the cancer. You may not have freedom to pray that way. But you can pray a whole bunch of ways that are scriptural about that situation. 
So learn to bring God into your daily life by exercising prayer. Pray. Talk to God through your day. Talk to Him about what you're doing. Talk to Him about where you're going. Talk to Him about what He wants you to do. Talk to Him and ask Him to open your eyes to what He's doing in the world around you. Pray about everything. And this will make your prayer life vibrant. Instead of making your prayer your prayer life, you know, three minutes in the prayer closet or ten minutes in the prayer closet or an hour in the prayer closet, whatever it is, I mean, pray in the prayer closet, but also pray about everything. Spend time with God. Just as if, as if He's actually there. What a novel idea. As Christians, He is there, isn't He? And He's part of our life, so we ought to treat Him in that way. All right. Real quickly, for your reflection, how would you characterize your prayer life tonight? Is it vibrant or dead? Is it frequent or rare? Is it passionate or blah? Not blab, blah. But blab would work too, all right? Second question. Do I frequently see God work in response to my prayers? Is this something that I experience, that God answers prayer? Are my prayers scriptural or formal? And you can think about the difference between those two things and and what I mean there. Consider it. What single change could I make in regard to my prayer life that would make the greatest difference in my walk with God? Is there one change that you could make that would make your prayer life totally different than what it is right now? And I want to challenge you with that thought tonight. Reflect on these things. Give some time to ask God to help you to shape your thinking. Now, tomorrow night, uh, I want to deal with some practical pointers for how to uh, structure your devotional life. How can, you, how can you structure your daily time with God so that it, it helps you to walk with God through the rest of your day. And I'm going to try to give you some just really practical things tomorrow night that I hope will be a help. And hopefully this, this series has been a help. Uh, then we're going to deal, we're going to try to wrap it up on Friday. I will warn you Friday, I have, you know, two or three different directions that I could go on Friday night because there's a lot to this subject. There's a lot to try to, to deal with. And so I'm just trying to discern exactly what God wants me to deal with on Friday night. So I'm not going to tell you just yet because I'm not sure. And, and so we'll, we'll come to a conclusion about that probably. I'll come to a conclusion about that tomorrow. But I'm looking forward to the, to the wrapping up of this in the next couple of nights.